I speak a lot softer than your pastor. Many years ago when I was a small boy, I stood on this ground before there were any buildings. There were some small oak trees. In those days, we did not have anyone from foreign countries living here. But we talked about missions in our churches a lot. Of course, then came the Vietnam War. Then we knew of another people that we didn't know before. As a boy, I wanted to be a missionary to China. And finally, China came to me. So I'm honored to be here in your presence today. What I want to talk to you about is a very important subject to myself and our family. So this map tells me where you came from. But I was born right here in Reading, just on the other side of the river. My family were ranchers. They raised cattle. They worked in lumber mills. And so I was raised to learn how to work. With my hands. This hand got in trouble one day. But it happened in a lumber mill. So I'm not going to tell you the story because it's too ugly. Of course, now I'm a professor across the street. You can't lose any fingers working over there. Today, what I want to talk to you about is one word, the word honor. What does it mean in the Bible? It means a number of things, but one thing I want to talk to you about today. The question before us this morning is, what or where is your hope for the future? I have investments in the stock market. If you watch the stock market, it goes up and down. Is that what my hope is for the future, money? What about the military? In America, we have a very strong military. There are four jets here. 
They could destroy a whole nation, just these four. But is that my hope for the future? I pray for the military in Iraq. I have many friends in the military. But is my hope for the future based on a strong military? We're going to have elections in our country pretty soon. Are we going to get a president that takes care of us? Is my hope in the president? Where is my hope for the future? I'm an educator and I love education. I think it's very important to be educated. You should, you should go to college. You should learn your Bible. Like this man and his nephew over here. Friend. Friend. He went to Christian college in San Diego. But he should have gone to ours. But that's okay. Education is important, but is that our hope for the future? All of us would like to make a little more money at work. The economy kind of goes up and down too. Houses in Reading are costing less. But they're still very expensive. So am I hoping in money and the economy for my future? I wonder, are the elderly our hope for the future? I'm talking about the old people. What about the old people? Are they our hope for the future? I wonder, do you sing to your elderly mother? I have a grandmother who just passed away two years ago on October 31st. We visited her often. I would bring my Bible. She was a believer and I would read my Bible to her. Then I would bring a hymnal and I would sing to her out of the hymnal. And I want to talk to you about what that meant to her. And why the Bible teaches the most important hope for the future is how we take care of the elderly. There's a verse in the Old Testament which is quoted in the New. It has the word honor in it. 
Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. But what does honor mean? Who helps us understand this? We can look at the original word in the Hebrew. This may help us a little. The word meant originally to be heavy. Our teenagers in our culture say, he's heavy. That means he's important. But in early biblical times, it meant to put gold on another person. Gold, if we had real gold, is a coin or like a metal. And it's heavy. It has I say, I say, I used to be a pastor down by Sacramento. One of the men in the church that I didn't know that well. He waited around until everyone was gone. He wanted to talk to me. So I visited with him a little bit. He had his hands in his pocket. Then he pulled out one hand. And he said, Pastor, hold this. And he laid a gold nugget in my hand. That was bigger than this. My hand went like that. It was heavy. So the word honor means something about heavy. If I put gold on another person, I make them heavy. We're going to work on that word a little bit more. But the Bible teaches our hope for the future involves how we take care of our parents. Our hope for the future is to honor our parents, to make them heavy. In the gospel according to John, in chapter 19, 
Jesus is hanging on the cross. And his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. And Mary Magdalene. They were there. Now, anything he says from the cross must be very important. The Bible says, when Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He said this from the cross. Then he said to the disciple who was John, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Jesus was very concerned about the welfare of his mother. He gave John the responsibility of caring for her. What do we know about John? He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He ran to the, the tomb actually ahead of Peter. So we know he's there and knows about Jesus. He wrote much of the New Testament. The Gospel according to John. And he wrote the book of Revelation. These are unique books. They're written in very easy language. But, but they're very difficult to understand. John seemed to have a wisdom beyond all the other writers of the New Testament. We know at the end of his life he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. This is where he wrote much of the book of Revelation. But didn't Jesus say to the disciples, Go ye into all the world? And preach the gospel? But John disappears from the book of Acts. Paul is there. Peter is there. The rest of the disciples are there. But John disappears. Now, if God gave me a command to preach the gospel to all nations, isn't that very important? But it seems like Jesus is saying to John, it's more important to take care, to take care of my mother than to go out and preach the gospel. John does preach the gospel, but after Mary dies. 
His gospel of John is so clear about the gospel. I write these things to you that you may believe, says John. And that believing you may have life in his name. John is very clear about the gospel. But he, but he did something else first. He took care of Jesus' mother. So what did Jesus teach us about caring for our parents? For 30 years, I've been preaching this message. I pray often that God will let me preach this to new people that haven't heard it. It's the message of what it really means to honor our parents. And any group of people that follow this commandment, it will be well with them. And they will live long on the earth. Now let's read the story. I'll read it slowly. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips. But their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me. Teaching his doctrines, the precepts of men. Jesus is really preaching a hard message to these people. He goes on to say, Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order, in order to keep your tradition. Here's the verse. Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Very serious. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, now this is the key here, whatever I have that would help you is Corbin. The word Corbin means given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. Thus, invalidating the word of God by your tradition, if we were to honor our parents, we would not say Corbin about our money. Oh, 
we would give it to them to help them in their time of need. In America, we have social security. That's supposed to take care of the elderly. But God has called us as Christians to take care of our parents. You see, when some elderly person came to their children, and they had a need in their life in biblical times. The Pharisee would say Corbin about his money. I can't help you. But God, but God has called us to take care of our parents in their old age. That's the main meaning of honor. So as a young person, you have to prepare for this day. You have to be careful who you marry. When I met my wife, the first thing I asked her was what did she think of her parents? Because I planned in my days in the future to take care of my parents. And if she didn't want to take care of her parents, she wouldn't want to take care of mine. So this taught me to get an education. To be self-controlled in my life. And I married a girl who loved her parents. And we took care of her parents. Remember when I went into the hospital with my mother-in-law. And when I sang to her, and I read the Bible to her, she wasn't a cripple in a bed. She wasn't weak and dying. Her face would light up. And she was a young girl skipping across the mown grass. She was on her way to the church she grew up in. And her smile would get bigger. That's honoring your parents. Our hope for the future is to honor our father and mother. They're very important in our life. I know that in your culture, this is a tradition in, in, the, old, in the old country. But when you come to America, most children don't honor their parents. Half of the people that are put in a rest home 
by their own children in this culture never see their kids again. That's a problem. Now I want to get across a very difficult point. Whatever organization takes care of the elderly whoever takes care of the elderly the society will build itself around that organization in our culture the federal government in Washington takes care of the elderly so we have built our society around the federal government. But it was supposed to be the family and the church that takes care of the elderly. Then the society would be built around families and most important, it would be built around the church. So this is a message for the elderly. As older people, we need to let our kids take care of us. And as younger people, we need to get ready to take care of them. So you might ask me, where do I start? What do I do? And I'm going to tell a couple stories. Every young couple needs a house. They can rent a house. But they never have a house of their own. So I wanted to have a house for my wife. You know, I'm a cowboy, so I could live in a barn. But my wife didn't want to live in a barn. So how am I going to have a house when I'm a pastor and I don't make much money? I saved money for 10 years to buy a house. I still didn't have enough. In fact, I had less money because of inflation. I didn't know what to do with my savings. It wasn't helping. I rented a house. And I gave all my savings away. And then I went home to the ranch. I put a house next door to my parents. A trailer house. And I took care of my parents for 18 months. My dad wasn't well. 
But I took care of him for those 18 months. And at the end of that 18 months, the church I was a pastor of near Sacramento called me back and God gave us a house for one dollar. You don't believe me. One dollar. All I had to do was move it. I had to move it to another piece of property. And in one year, I was able to move it and finish it. And we lived there for nine years. You see, there's a connection between taking care of your parents and God taking care of you. Let me tell you another story. My wife and I could not have children. We went to the doctors. They told me I would never have children. My wife went to the doctor. He said she would never have children. She could not have children and I couldn't have children. So what do we do? We prayed about it. We did more medical studies. We spent lots of money. Nothing helped. I studied the whole Bible on having children. Lots of people in the Bible could not have children. Abraham and Sarah. They couldn't have children. But I didn't find any answers there. Then I discovered that I needed to have more people pray. And the most important person to pray is the grandfather of the boy. My dad. I had a good relationship with my dad. He was my best friend. We were like brothers. That's part of honoring your father. My dad wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. One time he spanked me in anger. I've never forgotten it. He was wrong. And I was right. But I got the spanking anyway. That didn't change that I love my father. And he began to pray that we would have children. We also had a room like this in our church. A fellowship hall. And one, one time we gathered the whole church in that hall and everybody sat in a chair on the side of the wall in a circle. 
We handed out prayer requests to each individual. I had collected these requests for a month in advance. I had them all written down. The very last request was for the pastor and his wife that they could have children. The doctor said impossible. But we prayed anyway. Right after that prayer meeting, my wife and I went on vacation. Every morning, she kind of complained she didn't feel very good. She was eating crackers for breakfast. We didn't know what was wrong. But we found out about three weeks later that she had been pregnant two weeks before the prayer meeting. The Bible says, while you are yet speaking, he will answer. It was important to have my dad pray and the church. So we had one child. That child's name is Allison. But one child's not enough. So we had this church prayer meeting again a couple years later. Lots of people had heard about our answer to prayer. Several couples in our church had their name on the list. So I didn't put our name on the list. But we wanted another child. So we had the circle in the fellowship hall. When it was all done, one of the men said, Pastor, don't you want another child? And he said, This man will pray for you. He'll take your request. He was somebody I was counseling with in my office. He was a terrible Christian. I didn't think the Lord would ever hear his prayers. But what could I say? Sure. Okay. My wife was sick again the next day. That child was conceived two weeks before that prayer meeting. That's two. Then we had two more. Then we had to have a prayer meeting to get this thing stopped. The firstborn is not there. But this is number two. And that's number three. And that's number four. No more. 
Those are some of the grandchildren. But it's all a miracle connected to my dad's prayers. That's my wife next to me. She's beautiful. She would like to be here today. But she's at the church where I usually speak. The others in the picture are a son-in-law and two daughter-in-laws. So God has been very good to us. He's taking care of us. Honor your father and mother. That it may be well with you. And that you may live long on the earth. Let me tell one more story. This boy right here, he has a business in Philadelphia. He works with boys and girls in the inner city. One day when he was just a little boy, he and I were working for my dad. We were hauling hay to the cattle. It was very early in the morning. Just light. But he wanted to go with me. So I said fine. Grandpa was in the house. We were in the truck. I was sitting behind the steering wheel. Paul was standing right next to me, standing. And grandpa, we were waiting for Grandpa. The truck was running. It was nice and warm. And the cattle out in the field were bawling their heads off. They wanted us to hurry up. We were waiting for Grandpa. And Paul took his hand like this. And with all of his might that a two can do, he swung and hit me right in the face. He was a bad boy. But at that very moment, my dad opened the door and sat down in the truck. So what do I say? Do I spank him in front of Grandpa? I didn't know what to say. It was like God spoke to me. And I looked at Paul. And I said, Paul. Have you ever seen me love Grandpa like you just loved me? You 
Usually Paul when grandpa came would slide down the seat and get right up next to grandpa. But that day he thought about what I said. He looked at grandpa. Grandpa's very austere. Then he looked at me. And he said, no. He slid down in the seat. And he snuggled up next to me. Now why did I tell that story? To tell you how important it is to have grandpa around when you're raising kids. You need your family. You need to prepare to take care of them someday. I miss my parents every day. But I was close to them. They taught our children many things. And Paul, every time I talk to him on the phone, he says, Dad, when are you going to move to New Jersey? Because he wants to take care of us. And he loves his mom and dad. All the kids have said this. But I have more money than they do. I'm taking care of them. So do you understand what I'm trying to say today? Don't let America ruin your loving your parents. This culture is focused on the youth. It's not exactly right. I mean, I love young people. I love to play basketball. I love to hunt and fish with young people. I love my children and my grandchildren. But if there's a hope for the future of this country, we must take care of the elderly. It's an honor for me to be. Is your parents still living? No. How about your in-laws? No. I'm the oldest in the family now. So I'm sort of the patriarch. But I take care of her. Her husband died last year. 
It isn't just our parents we need to take care of. It's them and anybody else that's elderly who needs care. The Bible has a widow's program in the book of Timothy. We must take care of the widows and the orphans. So there's more to the story than just the elderly. Okay, you've been very patient. In the Bible it says, watch and pray. So here's a prayer we could all pray today. You can look up at it and maybe you who speak English can understand it. Let's, let's pray this prayer together. Father, I present myself to you to care for my parents when they have need of me both financially physically and spiritually. There is much work you need to do in me. So when that time comes, I will be ready. Amen. Amen.